0: everyone? I'm feeling a real, uh, I don't know about you, but I know my emotions affect these presentations a lot. And um, as I said to you earlier, my emotions are like, the way I feel is I feel very much like a hurt child type emotion today. And it's really got me in the guts as well. So I'm having lots of pain as I'm speaking with you um, through the unworthy type emotions. And so that's uh, having an effect on the presentation, of course, um, but I'm also noticing that quite a lot of spirits with us are in the same state as I am <laughs> so um, so unfortunately that's causing a little bit of a depression, if you like, of the uh, of our session today. So what I think I will do is I will do this uh, humility presentation another time in the future when I'm feeling buoyant and uh, and hopefully that will uh, Mean that I can present the material in a much more stronger fashion than it deserves. That all being said, um, I'd like to say a bit more still about humility. Humility is a lot like having the desire to be taught by God. So can I just write that down? Having a passionate desire to be taught. By God, One of the things I really love about getting taught by God is that um, when you get taught by God, God knows everything. And that's a real big advantage. You see, when we get taught by others, so if you connect with a guru here on earth or something like that, what happens is they have a limited amount of knowledge, Right? a limited amount of soul-based truth that they can give you. But if you have a passionate desire to connect with God and get taught by God directly, then of course that opens up all of these possibilities for you, right? But most of the time, we don't have a passionate desire to be taught by God because, see, God sees the warts and all. See, it gets back to this problem that we have. Because God sees warts and all, and we don't want to see our own warts... (laughs) we then go down the track of feeling like we want to reject god's truth or reject getting taught by god when we reject getting taught by god then god's laws start to teach us and to, and trust me that's a much harder process you see it's like now the law of attraction is going to have to teach me what god can't teach me directly does that make sense See, if I'm, if I'm open to be taught by God and I'm longing for divine truth and longing for divine love and I'm humble, I'm going to receive divine love into my soul. When, that, when I receive divine love into my soul, it expands my soul and I automatically seem to understand things that I didn't understand before, right? That comes as a natural occurrence. But when I can't do that, I have to then get taught by God's laws. And God's laws are uncompromising. And this is why many of you feel like you're being knocked around by the law of attraction, for example. right? Because God's laws are really uncompromising and what happens is as soon as we notice what's going on in our lives generally, we start getting hammered from all of these quarters and we start getting quite worried about it all. start getting quite stressed out inside of ourselves about, you know... Of these different things that are coming at us and then we start wanting to shut down the process. And many of you have experienced this, right? Where you've had a period of a week or so where you get overwhelmed emotionally and then you get so overwhelmed emotionally that you're starting to want to control the whelm. (laughs) If there's such a word. (laughs) You want to control so that you're not overwhelmed, but you're just whelmed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) I don't know if that's a word but anyway and and so what happens is instead of allowing you to be overwhelmed emotionally and allowing all the emotions to come in just be overwhelmed with those emotions and let the soul expand naturally which it does automatically when you're connecting with God what we try to do then is we start trying to cut it down and cut it down and cut it down and get it back under manageable control right the problem with that is we get it back under manageable control, but now our soul's errors are, are radiating to the universe at their maximum amount, which actually ramps up the law of attraction, right, which pulls in all of these events to tell us that we're actually in denial of our emotion. And that's all caused by us not wanting to be taught by God, but rather wanting to control down or shut down the process. God knows how much you can cope with. You have got no idea how much you can cope with. You can cope with a lot more than what you're currently coping with. Trust me. You can. But often we don't believe it, you see, because what are we trying to do? Here's our soul, and we're trying to keep our soul that big.
1: All right?
0: Because when it gets bigger, the only way it's going to get bigger is to be overwhelmed. And we don't want to be overwhelmed, so what we try to do is squeeze it all back down to how it feels comfortable. We want to feel comfortable, right? Trust me, you've got to get used to being uncomfortable. A place of permanent progression is a place of always being uncomfortable. And you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You do. You do. You'll notice the switch in you in, in time. See, at the moment, what happens for many of us is we're very uncomfortable being uncomfortable. And so what happens is that we have a lot of resistance to the discomfort, right? And therefore, we have a lot of resistance to being overwhelmed. Now, in that state, because of that resistance and that control that we have over the process, now all of our denied stuff gets reflected to the universe like a radiator attracting all of this stuff And our law of attraction seems to have ramped up. And of course it's ramped up. Your soul progressed, remember? Remember, like, your soul started out this big and then you learnt some truth. And when you learnt some truth, your soul expanded to this big. Well, that that means your law of attraction is going to expand to, to that big. Does that make sense? When you exercise your desires in harmony with love and truth, your law of attraction will be really, really powerful. When you exercise your desires in disharmony with love and truth, your law of attraction is going to be really, really powerful, but in a negative event type of way to correct you, right? And that's because your soul has expanded too. So what we want is this soul of ours to just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right? That's what we want. We want it to get bigger and bigger and bigger and just keep growing. Infinitely, it's it's capable of growing infinitely. But most of the time what we're trying to do, that's what God's trying to do. God's trying to pour us full of more stuff, right? <laughs> pour full of more stuff. This person's really resistant. I don't think I'll just... <laughs> you know. Now, God doesn't do that, right? But, but what happens is we expand to a certain point and then, and, and then we're, we're now got ourselves back under control. Like that's what it feels like to us. Ah, oh, I can breathe a sigh of relief now. I'm back under control. But in that state, you are now stagnant. And when you're stagnant, your soul's not expanding and therefore it's not changing and therefore it's not getting closer to God, to the place where you want to be. In the end, that's what you think. But see, a lot of times what we're doing is resisting the process of expansion. And one of the ways we do that is by resisting being taught by God. And so then God's laws all kick in and because we've already expanded in learning some of God's laws, naturally our law of attraction is expanded as well. So whenever we go into denial of God's laws, we seem to get a really quick response. Have you noticed that happening in your own life sometimes now? Where before something would go on and you didn't even notice it really, but now when you deny something, warm it gets right in your face. And that's a result of your soul expanding. That's the beauty of it, if you think about it. It's a beautiful thing. Getting hammered. <laughs> when you're out of harmony with love. Can you see why? because it's telling you straight away, ah, I'm not learning something about love there. And isn't that why we're doing this? So that we can learn about love? There's another aspect I'd like to talk to you about, and that is receiving, I before E except after C, <laughs> receiving a direct and indirect, In Indirect <coughs> counsel and criticism. Now, what is a indirect counsel or indirect help, <coughs> indirect assistance? Well, indirect assistance is what you're receiving right now today. I am being indirect in the sense that I'm not singling out one of you and saying you've got this, 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 you know, away we go. I'm well, not saying that, right? So what's happening in one of these sessions is indirect counsel or assistance. And many of you enjoy that because you come along to the group, you get some more knowledge of truth and more knowledge of love. A lot of pennies drop and you start realising some things you didn't realise before and that's what attracts you. And so you can feel that indirect, that indirect counsel applies to yourself. And that's a beautiful thing when you do that. But a lot of times, you know, what we do instead of that is we go, hmm, that doesn't apply to me. Hmm, that doesn't apply to me either. Hmm, you know. Oh, there was only one or two things today that applied to me, when really sometimes the whole session did. But I think that only one or two things applied, right? And that's because I am very, very resistive to indirect help or assistance. Now, why would I be resistive to indirect help? The only reason why really is because I don't want to be humble enough to see that this applies to me. And so you know what God does then, if you still think you've got a desire to progress, is God starts giving you some direct (laughs) counsel and criticism or or what you would call assistance. And, of course, our reception of indirect and direct help is very much a determining factor in your progression. You see, if you have to have direct help before you progress, then you are actually going to progress much more slowly than if you allow yourself to receive indirect assistance. Can you see why? See, indirect assistance is really happening in your life Every single moment. Right? And if you can actually say, ah, oh, that's me, that's me again, that's me again, that's me again, and even if, and the key is not to be overwhelmed by the whole process in the sense of I get into this fear based state, but rather allow your soul to be overwhelmed by the emotional processing of it all. If I am resistive to indirect, indirect counsel or indirect assistance, then Already I am not being humble. You can see why, can't you? Because I'm not actually applying what the law of attraction is bringing to me. See, a lot of times we come along to a session like this the first time and we, uh, we hear a lot of things. Half the things we hear we don't agree with, probably. You know. And so so we get into this state of found, hmm, I don't know whether I really want to go back there again, you know, like I couldn't agree with a lot of that stuff, you know. A lot of it sounds like some Christian mumbo jumbo and a lot of it sounds like, you know a lot of it sounds like it's pretty out there and unreal, particularly the stuff about him being Jesus and that's pretty out there, but it's out there, out there. <laughs> and then and then you know, so we go through this thing of, of saying these things to ourselves when in reality we just received huge amounts of indirect truth, right? And we become resistive to the indirect truth. And for many of us, that's the time when we could easily just go off onto another course at any point, point, because what's happening is we receive some indirect truth, didn't like what we heard, right? And so we go off and try to get what we like to hear from somebody else. And if you're only getting what you like to hear is your soul expanding? Not like it could be, like it could be hey. See, see, if I'm only getting what I'd like to hear, then it's only if I like to hear a bit more <laughs> that my soul will expand. But if I'm getting, if I'm open to receiving everything I can possibly receive from God, then what's going to happen is my soul is going to expand in its most, like, in its most elastic possible way that it can expand. And that's pretty rapid, by the way. In the spirit world, it's so rapid that within like nine months, a person can get from the first sphere of the, of the spirit world to the celestial spheres, right? Now, why is it so rapid there and not rapid here? Because we're the same soul. There can only be one answer to that, can't there? Like, we're the same soul. It's got to be something to do with the environment, doesn't it? If our soul is struggling through years and years here and up in the spirit world we can progress to at one minute in nine months, then what's going on here? Something's going on here. What is that? Got a physical body. We've, well, we've got a physical body, but that doesn't make any difference because our physical body is just a, a tool of the soul. So what did you say, Alex? Distractions. Distractions. What happens is we are constantly getting distracted from our soul here. We're constantly getting distracted from our true emotional condition. The big difference between here and the spirit world is that you cannot manufacture your condition. Let me illustrate that in another way. You cannot look different to how you really are in the spirit world. You see, when you pass, the moment you pass, one of the things you'll realise is this. I'll pass... And all of a sudden, I look in the mirror and see myself as I really am, right? Now that, for many of people, is a terrible shock because how they really are is with all this ugly thing in their face and all these warts all over them and all this terrible you know, scrunched up face and all emaciated body. That's how they really look, actually, when they pass, many of them in the spirit world. There's a lovely message of the Judas messages on the CD or on the download from the, from the Divine Truth website, um, where Judas talked about what he looked like when he passed. And I, I'd recommend you read that actually. Um, is a question related? Let's ask the question. Uh, right up the back.
2: If we process our emotions so much quicker in the spirit world, wouldn't we want to get there sooner?
0: Uh, well, I'm actually explaining to you why we're not processing our emotions so much quick, more quickly here. The truth is you can, ex- you can process your emotions just as quickly here as in the spirit world. Right? But most of us don't because of the facade we're addicted to. That's why. So, what happens is we, because we become addicted to this facade, we're addicted to the false appearance of ourselves. And so, what happens when we pass, and many of the spirits who are here with us today have experienced this, when you pass, you have a terrible shock. Now, that shock it opens yourself up to the potential of your own condition. You see? So many of you who think that it would be preferable for you to pass, when you pass, you'll find a whole group of emotions about how shocking your appearance looks compared to what you thought it should look like. Does that make sense? And that's what we need to deal with here. If we can deal with that here, then we can progress just as quickly here as we can in the spirit world. Can you see that? That's all we need to do. All we need to do is deal with the fact that we are not seeing ourselves truthfully. Now, the reason why direct and in- indirect counsel and criticism is so important is because that tells us how we really are. But most of the time we ignore it, don't we? We look, that over my head, that went over my head, whoop, that, went over my head. <laughs> that went over my head, you know. And then we have all these reflections from our children. Oh yeah, you know, flipping children, I wish I never had them, you know. I create so much pain and turmoil in my life. Not realising, of course, that it's my law of attraction. I'm getting shown a reflection of what is inside of me by my children in particular. Right? And then I go to work and I get the same reflection shown at me and I go to school, school if I'm that age, I get so same reflection. In my relationships with every single person, I get a reflection. And most of the time, we don't want to look in the mirror of that reflection. That's the issue we have. But in the spirit world, you're forced to look at it. And that's the big difference. Can you see the big difference there? And I'm not saying you're forced to look at it if you're a murderer or anything. I'm saying when you have some knowledge of the spiritual things, which all of you have, and when you have a knowledge and a desire to progress, which all of you have, right? Otherwise you wouldn't even be here. What happens is, is that you pass over with still that desire within you and that causes you to want to look at yourself. And then you look at the mirror and and whammo, it's like just this terrible, terrible shock. Now, if we're prepared for that now on earth and we can really see how we are right now on earth, that is never going to happen to us even when we pass in the spirit world. It'll go, oh yeah, I knew about that. I don't know about that. Yeah, that's no worries. So, and I know what to do. I know how to progress. I know how to work my way through these things. That gives you a lot of power, right? But if you're resistive and not being humble, then what's going to happen is you're going to want this thing that you see in the mirror right now to be the truthful condition inside of yourself and that's going to help you avoid a lot of emotions. So part of being humble is seeing yourself truthfully. In the Bible, there's a very good quote from there. It says, a man needs to look at the mirror and see the person he really is. But if you go away and forget the person you are, then you will never progress. It doesn't actually say that. It suggests that you don't go away and forget the person you are. The problem that we face here on earth is that we are often very distracted from the person we truly are. All right? And we like it. We're addicted to it. We're addicted to seeing a different image than what's really there. All right? So when someone comes up and says, Oh, you projected sexually, that, what? No, I never projected sexually. You yeah, are married. You know, I, I love my wife. I don't project sexually. Now, in the spirit world, You actually see this coloured cord going from you to that person you projected sexually at. (laughs) So when they say, when they say, come up to you and say, you projected sexually at there, you go, "Mm, yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But here on earth, you can say, no, no, that never happened. And here on earth, you you know, you're very angry right now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. In the spirit world, you pass over, and there's this, yeah, you know, there's this reddish, orangey arrow, you know, this, ah, going over towards the person you're angry with, right? And so, what, what do you say if you know about it? You go, mm, "Yeah, I noticed that one as well," <laughs> right? You see, here what we do is we're often telling ourselves lies about ourselves, and that's such a dangerous thing to do. It's the, the per- worst person you can lie to is yourself.
1: Uh,
0: you can try to lie to God, but God knows all the truth, so you can lie to God as much as you want and it's not going to be very damaging to, you, to, to, to God. I mean. But if you lie to yourself, that is going to create the most damage in your life. Uh, and that's where most people come to grief in their <laughs> spiritual progression. So we come t- down then to all this new age stuff which a lot of it is about lying to yourself, right? Uh, You know, like, oh, my mum and dad really did love me, you know? (laughs) I know they abused me, my father sexually abused me and molested me, but I'm pretty sure he loved me, he was just mixed up and he was just this and that. And that's not what you feel. You feel really hurt that you were sexually abused. You feel really like you were raped. Let's be honest about it. How does an adult woman feel when she's raped? Or What do you think a child would have felt being raped a hundred times? Can you see? We've got to get real about the emotion rather than just justifying what's going on and, and saying it was okay because of whatever reason that we want to justify to ourselves. What about when your family is angry and upset with you? Oh, well, that's just their stuff and they're still my family and I still love them. These are the things we tell ourselves. Like, get real. How do you feel when your family does these things to you? You feel hurt and sad and alone and all these different things are getting triggered that you're not allowing yourself to experience, you see. Humility, remember, is a desire to feel those emotions. It's a wanting to feel them. When you feel them, you'll release them. When you release them, they'll no longer be carried around with you and you will get into a state of true forgiveness after that point. But only after that point. So many of us are trying to manufacture it so that we don't have to feel the emotion. Right? We've got to get away from that. In the spirit world, you can't do that, you see? Because in the spirit world, you manufacture it and you've got all of these spirits around you going,
1: yeah, yeah, that's
0: just fake, that's just fake, that's just fake. They can see you,
1: Right?
0: But on earth, we're so used to not being seen. We can cover over ourselves as I truly am, can't I? I can cover it over and feel the cover over. And so when I do that, what happens inside of me? I am actually covering over my own possibilities. I'm actually stopping myself from being the person I truly could be by covering over all of these other things. You see, when we accept all of the ugliness along with all of the beauty, that's when we progress the most rapidly. But when we just accept the beauty, we're going to get to a point of stagnation because we're not accepting the ugliness yet. And so we're just going to stop there and stop there and stop there and stop there until we use our will, our free will, to actually move from that point and start seeing ourselves as we truthfully are. Now, the reason why it's a bit easier for a spirit is because if you see only the beauty and you don't want to see any of the ugliness, you'll pass into the first fear, you'll arrive in the spirit world in a lot more shocking condition than what you believed yourself to be, then you'll know the ugliness is there. Does that make sense? And if I'm aware of spiritual principles, I'll then want to work on that ugliness. And when I work on that ugliness, obviously I'll progress. And obviously, part of my... Desire to work on their ugliness is, boy, I'll look ugly. I want to look better. On, this, in, on earth here, we judge everything through the material all the time. And we're not seeing the feelings that are inside of us a lot of the time. We're not feeling them. So we're not feeling that rage and that hatred we have towards that person and that rage we have towards that person and that terrible grief that we have towards this and that terrible feeling of like sexual shame or something that, that we have towards that person, we're not seeing them all or even allowing them to be present because we judge them or we condemn them in ourselves or whatever it is. So we don't allow ourselves to see the truth of ourselves. And when we pass in the spirit world, we can now see the truth of ourselves. Now I'm suggesting to you to not pass before you see what I'm suggesting is allow yourself to see what is truly there right now. And it's going to be okay. Like God still loves you even though all those things are there. It's going to be okay for you to see them. And when you see them, you'll have some emotions to feel. And I'm saying be humble and feel them. Allow yourself to feel those emotions. Let yourself have those emotions come up in you. But instead what we do here is we go, no, no, don't want to do that. So we go into this thing that we often call denial, right? And we often intellectually deny. Like we, we do things like we justify. Yeah, I'm angry, but everyone's angry. Right? So that, does that justify? Like you're basically justifying why you're not at one with God and living in bliss. Is there any point to that, really? Wouldn't it be better just to say, all right, I want to see my anger because this is one of the emotions I have that is preventing my blissful feelings. I want to see it. I want to experience it. I want to get underneath it. I want to get to that grief that's underneath it. But what about when we minimise? Yeah, like I I yelled at my children this morning, but like, Frankly, a lot of people yell at their children and they deserved it. But what did we just do? We just justified and minimised the fact that we were unloving. I've heard this so many times. Like We've talked about the meat issue quite a lot, right, in terms of eating meat, right? And, and many of you don't like me talking about the subject, right? And that's fine but I'm going to talk about it some more because this is a free session that I... (laughs) I I know I'm up front. When you're up front, you can talk about something different. But, But what's actually happening is that for many of us, we're justifying an unloving act. We're saying, oh, but my body needs this. What? Your body needs an unloving act? How can you believe this, that your body needs an unloving act in order to sustain itself? Of course it doesn't. Like... Also, we, we go, you know, but, uh, you know, everyone else is eating it and it's not, ba- it's not bad for me, not bad for me at all. What? Like, something that's unloving is not bad for you? Of course it's bad for you. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, killing an animal is bad for you. It's unloving. an unloving act. So it's bad for you. It doesn't matter how it's affecting your body. It's a bad for your soul. Right. Huh? So allow yourself to see when you're doing unloving things. Do you think yelling at your children is bad for you? Yes, it is. You know, there's going to be law of compensation emotions associated with that, that you're going to have to feel at some point. And you know what a law of compensation emotion is about that? You're going to have to feel every bit of emotion that your child felt when you got angry with your child. Every one of them. And if your child 30 years later is still feeling that emotion, you will still feel some of that just from that one act is that worth that and isn't it better to not justify and minimise it and say I was unloving there you see if I'm saying I was unloving there I can then say why was I unloving there what caused me to yell at my child like that what caused me to be condescending to my child or berate my child what caused me what emotion inside of me created this and let myself examine that emotion without judgment. Huh? I need to look at this emotion, I need to feel this emotion, and release this emotion from me so that it never happens again, so that I can be loving now.
1: Joy?
3: AJ, I've had five children and they're all grown up now. Mm-hmm. So I know that there's years and years and years of lots and lots of incidences mm-hmm. which I can't possibly remember Mm -hmm. let alone begin to guess at all of the effects that it had on them yep and you're saying that i will
0: you will yep okay yeah that's a scary thought isn't it
3: well no i'm willing to face that i just didn't Ah. know how to get there
0: and that's brought me to the important point when you're willing to face that now god can help you experience it you see most of the time with our law of compensation emotions, we are not willing to face them. So what we do instead is we deny that we were ever like that. You know, I did my best. That's one of our pet excuses, isn't it? I did my best. I only knew what I knew. Another pet excuse and so forth. And so we go through these pet excuses as a parent. I've done the same. like go through these pet, ex- pet excuses as a parent without being honest and truthful. What we need to do instead is say to ourselves, no, no, this isn't on anymore. There is no justification for my unloving treatment of another person. None. That person can actually even threaten to kill me, they can rape my wife, they can kill my children. There is still no good reason for me to be unloving towards them. (sighs) Uh, That's a pretty big statement, but it's a a statement of truth. There is still no reason for me to be unloving towards them. So if that's the case and I'm willing to go through every emotion that these things bring up, now God can help me. And that's when the law of repentance kicks in and that's where what you call grace kicks in. All right? Until that time, the law of compensation is what's present. So what happens for many spirits, and, and we'll be having a talk uh, later in the year about the law of conversation versus the law of repentance. And what happens for many spirits is that they're so locked into not feeling sorry that they spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years going through every single little thing they did to harm another person. Right? Now, if you've harmed people, um, and most of us have harmed Quite a lot of people in our life, if you think back at it, you know, we've done damaging things. Every single one of those instances is going to need to be felt and your involvement in what that person did is also going to have to be felt as a result of what you did to them. That's like, can you feel like that's a heavy burden? Now, when you're willing to feel that now, and you can talk to God about that, now the law of grace kicks in or the law of repentance kicks in. Because I am humble and willing to experience the law of compensation in its complete degree, and I talk to God about that, now the law of grace kicks in and removes from me the cause of why I did it by me being open to that experience. So whatever the childhood cause within me as to why I then damaged others gets removed And so I will never damage another person in that same way again once it's removed, ever again. I don't even have to try because the whole cause of what I did has been removed from me. You follow me? And if the cause is removed, then I don't have to try to do it right. I automatically do it right from there on.
3: Do you still have to recall every incident, every situation?
0: You have to be willing to recall. Uh, Yes. There's a big difference between having to to, recall and being willing to recall.
3: Yes. Can you
0: see? Most of us are not willing to recall and so therefore grace cannot help us. Right? God cannot help us while we're unwilling. God can only help us while we're willing. And this is why why humility is such an important aspect. While I'm willing to feel all of the emotional reasons as to what I created in my life, all the responsibility of what I've created damaging in other other people's life, what that does for me now is it opens up this pathway where God can reach in and actually alleviate the causal reason why I did it. And that's going to be an emotional experience. I'll cry for an hour or two hours or three hours and then it will be gone and I will never do it again. And your law of attraction will change instantly from that place. You'll notice your law of attraction just change instantly after that on that particular issue right, when you do that. And this is the key is that often what we do is instead we get into denial, we justify, we minimise. And another thing we often do is uh, shift the blame, right? We like that. Right. Yeah, it's all your fault that I did that. So we shift the blame. And these are all just things that we do to avoid our law of compensation emotions. Now, remember in the past when I've talked about emotions, I said that there's a whole group of causal emotions within us that need to be released. There's the causal emotions where other people have done damage to me. You remember that? Then there's a whole group of emotions where I, because of these emotions within me, have done damage to others. And they are what are called the law of compensation emotions. Now, what I find is that most people have no trouble at all feeling the damage that other people have done to themselves, right? Are we humble in that state? Yes, I can feel that, uh, yes, you know, James hurt me the other day and I feel that, right? And then I get into that and have a big cry about it and eventually I release that and I've forgiven James in that state and now I feel good, right? Right? And now you know, he feels that I'm no longer projecting anger and rage at him. But that, that is the way I can deal with that emotion. So I deal with that. So I, and often I do deal with those kind of emotions for many of us, for many of us like that. But the whole group of emotions we're very resistive to is the group of emotions where we have harmed the other person. And constantly I'm hearing from people, oh, but it was your law of attraction. What? Like you're going to justify to me being unloving to me because it's my law of attraction? How unloving is that? Right. What about how I've heard some people say, oh, you would have forget, felt forgiveness from me so I didn't have to say it. What? Yes, I can feel you haven't <laughs> re- <laughs> repented yet. Does that make sense? I can, I can feel you haven't repented yet just by you saying that. Because you see... If I was really sorry for what I'd done to say, let's say I'd done something to Nina and I'm really sorry, I would actually feel impelled, would I not, to go and say to her, I'm really sorry? Wouldn't I? If I knew that I had done it and I could feel it, wouldn't I say it? What would cause me to go, nah, Nina will feel it, you know, she'll feel I'm sorry. Am I sorry? No, of course not. Otherwise, I wouldn't have that resistive emotion within me about the issue. Can you see if I was really repentant, I would be saying to Nita, I'm so sorry. I might even be crying when I'm saying to Nita, I'm so sorry that I did that to you. Can you see the difference? One is a state of pure humility, a pure feeling of wanting to feel all of your own causal emotions inside of yourself. The other is a state of saying, I've still a state of anger, really. All right? Now, I've had so many people say, oh, you know, you don't talk to me anymore. I say, yeah. Why is that? I'm sorry for what I did in the past. I say, no, <laughs> you're not. And if I continue having a relationship with you, all you're going to do is do it again. And I don't want that in my life. So what I'd had to do is deal with the underlying emotion get to a state of forgiveness of you, which I've done, so I no longer feel angry or upset or anything like that with you, but I'm not going to spend time with you while, I, while you're going to keep projecting anger at me. Can you see? Because if I love myself, I wouldn't do that, right? Now, often the other person then justifies their position and says, oh, but it was your law of attraction or, or you know, I'm really sorry and you would have felt that. <laughs> and they say it like that, by the way. Like, of course I don't feel it because you're not really sorry. Right? Otherwise you would have come up and said how sorry you were and you would have felt it. Now let's reflect upon that with our family and our situations in our life. Like I sat my two boys down, they were were 11 and 13. When I first, uh, you know, had some memories about different things and different problems that I was facing and the damage that I'd done and I said... And I was crying, and I said to my boys that I'm, that I, over a period of about an hour it took, that I was really sorry for all of the damage that I'd done to their life, and that I recognised that they will still probably be in their 20s even before they release it. And the truth is that my oldest son's 25, and he's still dealing with emotions that I created in him.
1: Okay?
0: And my youngest son is 23 and he is still dealing with emotions that I created within him. His law of attraction is still being governed by those emotions that I helped create in him. And I don't know about you, but I feel still fairly bad about that, feeling about that. It's a terrible feeling to feel that you're so responsible for all these traumatic events in their life. So what we need to do is get into a state where we're willing to feel about that. And when we're willing to feel it, that's when God's grace can come in and take away from us the reasons why we've done it. So lots and lots and lots of the reasons why I did what I did have now been taken from me. So my boys can see that, but that doesn't change the pain they're going through, unfortunately, in their life. And, and I have to take responsibility for what I've created. Now, when you're willing to take responsibility for what you've created and willing to feel it, now God can help you. God can't help you while you're unwilling because it's all about will, isn't it? It's all about your free will. So my suggestion is to have a good look at the things that you feel ashamed of doing in the past, all the things you feel ashamed of. Write them all down because there's huge emotions in them. Do you follow me? So you know when you had that sexual liaison with that person that you were ashamed of and you know, you remember when you had that, you know, you were a heterosexual but remember when you had that homosexual affair you were were, uh, ashamed of. You know, remember when you harmed your children that way, you know, when you belted them, like in one case for myself, I belted one of my sons 17 times in a row. He stuck his knife in a power socket and each time he did it, I gave him a smack. And then he looked at me, and he stuck the knife in the power socket again, and I gave him another smack. I did that seventeen times before he stopped. All right. And when I look back at it now, it feels terrible, you know. Like, no, it wasn't better actually. You see, that's the thing. That's the thing we tell ourselves but it's not better than having him pass from sticking a thing in this power socket because in that, in that act he learnt from me a lot of damaging things about love. Whereas if he'd just passed, he wouldn't have learned none of those things. You see, we're so addicted to maintaining life on earth because of our fears about what it means to pass over into the spirit world that we think we can build our children just to protect them. We justify un- unloving violence towards our own children. We justify it. Just, just, just that one statement, oh, it was better than him dying, is a justification of my violence. And the truth is there's no justification of violence, even if it means somebody dies. Can you see that? Right? It's better for my son to have passed. He would have passed instantly in his state, he was into a high, you know, into the summerland state. He would, have a, had, he would have had a wonderful time and he would not have learnt a lesson about love, which was actually not about love at all, that he's now still undoing, right? He's undoing this 22 years. So, so for 22 years that lesson has stuck with him. And that's a terrible thing to, to have to come to terms with, don't you think? Like, And, and what was I doing? What was I doing? I was acting on my own fear. Now my fear of that is gone. So I'd never do that again, right? Because the cause has been taken out of me. But when I reflect upon the situation, it still troubles me that I was capable of so much physical violence towards a three-year-old child. So... It feels really upsetting, doesn't it, like when you think of it that way. (coughs) So let yourself feel about these things. You see what I'm saying? Like let yourself have a feeling about, let yourself be humble to these emotions. Allow these emotions to flow in you. Let yourself see the damage that's been done and talk to God about this damage because when you talk to God about it, the process of forgiveness is something that you can work through with God then. And God's love can help you through that entire process and in the end clears away a lot of the causes of why you did it. So my cause, which is a fear of my son passing, has now been released. I'm not afraid of my children passing. I know they'll both pretty much enjoy the process. Right? So that doesn't worry me at all now. Uh, Mike,
3: I just wanted to ask a question about forgiveness. Um, In the past, I've been in relationships that have been violent Mm -hmm. and when a person says that they're sorry Mm -hmm. and then they do the same thing again, Mm -hmm. you learn very quickly they're not sorry. Mm -hmm. And it's all right, Simon, I want to share our conversation the other day. Simon um, has had similar um, relationships that I've been in Mm -hmm. and he was on the phone with me sharing with me that he was asking for his ex-partner's forgiveness mm-hmm. and it triggered me immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I i guess what I'm asking is, how do you forgive a person when you know they're not
1: sorry?
0: Mm. I've already talked about that subject in one of the presentations. Uh, it was called Forgiveness, Repentance and Mercy. So my suggestion is have a complete listen to that uh, presentation because there's a lot more than we can go into it now. But... Part of it is going to be being humble to the emotions that that you feel within yourself of not wanting to forgive. So in other words, feeling firstly the anger and the rage and then stepping down into the grief that was created in that relationship and actually feeling the grief in that relationship. Once you get through that, you can get into a state of forgiveness even if the other person is not sorry. However, you won't spend time with them probably until they are sorry. Does that make sense? So you can forgive a person and be in a state of love towards them, but no longer spend time with them because of the harm they will still bring to you. Mm. Peter, if we mic, if we have the mic, um. it's coming. Thank you, AJ. Uh, with regards to um, having dealt with, um, you know, striking uh, your son many times because of your fear that he might uh, uh, get electrocuted. Mm-hmm. What about the um, going back beyond that? Why uh, was that physical violence perpetrated by you on him? Were you uh, physically uh, beaten by your dad? or Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that was an acceptable there was way a of discipline. Of, there was a number of beliefs that I had. Yeah. One was that, and the other was that in the Bible God says, you know, so there's that justification as well, that the mm-hmm. Bible said that, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child. Yes. And all those kind of justifications that I yeah. had. In the end, I just wasn't connected to my soul. No. And, and, but I've had to feel the remorse of what I did. Yeah. Yeah. And does that feeling then go back uh, another generation, like to feel it through completely, not only your feelings with regards to your son, but also your own feelings as a child with regards to your dad, or does that not go to that level? Yes, it does go to that level because my, my parents obviously justified the same yes. justification that I had with my own children. And so yes, it goes to the it went to the level of having to feel what it felt like having violence perpetrated against myself. Yes. And then thinking in the end or being told in the end that it was loving. Yes. And then, and so there was a lot of like lessons of love if you like just in feeling it yes. and going through the feelings of the process. Yeah. And when you come out of that, you then arrive at a new state of love where you understand that love is never going to be violent, yeah. right? And there's no longer any justification for violence yeah. towards another person in any situation, including if they're violent towards you. Yeah. And so when you get into those states, you've released those emotions and, uh, and um, that's what I've had to do in the case with my boys. Yeah. yeah. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Um, Joy, thank you.
3: AJ, what's the line then between what's, what am I responsible for in terms of my law of attraction and being treated unlovingly?
0: Um, remember that the law of attraction is about your emotions. Right? So it's all operating on your soul condition. So it's not just your emotions, it's your soul condition. So here's your soul condition. Your soul condition is like this great big radiator radiating out to the universe that has reflected actions coming back to actually trigger your soul condition. But who created your soul condition? Isn't it your environment? Like, if your environment was loving, what's the chances of your soul condition being unloving? Like, they're much, much less than what most people here would think, actually. And in, in fact, in the spirit world, When love is always given, so in the case of a first fear um, situation, if love is always given, it always results in positive things, never in a negative thing. You see, here we have so many distortions of love that we believe our childhoods were, were loving when they really weren't. And we believe that, you know, love creates pain and it doesn't. And we have all these beliefs. But the truth is that if we were all in a state of love with our children our children would never have an ounce of emotional damage to deal with, right? And that goes back for generations. So that applies to me and that applies to my father and his gra- my grandfather and so forth, right? However, there gets to be a time when you are responsible for the emotions within inside of yourself. Not so much for their creation, but responsible for their release, Right? And this is where many of us have trouble because we have so much anger about having to release emotions that other people created. You felt that, right? How do you feel about having to release something that your mum and dad created? See, often you feel like, I would really like them to do that for me, right? And when I say it like that, most of the time it's, F them, you know, and F God and F everybody because I'm having to deal with this. Emotion, right? Within myself. And this is the thing I've got to come to terms with. The fact is that I this is why we can have a lot of humility but also have a lot of non-judgment. In the end, you and I got damaged from our environment. And they got damaged by their environment and the choices that they made. All of us got damaged by our environment at some point. But The emotion is now in me. And the only person who can get it out of me is God and me. But the only way God can get it out of me is if I'm willing to get it out of me. So in the end, I have total control on this emotion leaving me. I'm the only person who has control. So, you know, every single person who ever harmed you can be so sorry and repentant and cry and do all of the things that they do and you know you can still retain the emotion inside of yourself. Right? And so in the end you learn that actually the only person that can release this emotion or the person who has control of the release of this emotion is myself. Now on the natural love path, I have to release the emotion all by myself. I have to get to a point where I no longer remember the things that I did or remember the things that were done to me in an emotional way. Now, that can take hundreds of thousands of years. Will you imagine that, like being a person who has done a lot of damage? Like someone like Stalin, who they suspect, and this is only suspicion, killed over 40 million Russians. Right? They know for certain he killed over 8 million Russians. Right, through his actions. Now, you just think about that. How many lies were damaged in that? Can you imagine having to work through the law of compensation of that without God? It's just horrific to think of. Right? But now if we involve God in the process, it can be a much more simple task. But I have to be willing, and Stalin would have to be willing to actually go through the emotion of all the damage he did. If you talk to some of the spirits in the spirit world about this, like, you remember Caesar? You've heard of Caesar? right? I'm not talking about Julius Caesar here. Um, Caesar, um, it just makes me laugh sometimes when I say that, because Caesar has a, he, he views himself as the first Caesar. Everyone else was just a copycat sort of thing. But anyway, And when he first came to a knowledge of divine truth, it was only about a 100 or so years ago. For nearly 2,000 years, he was in the hells of the spirit world working through different emotions, right? Initially, when he arrived, the other spirits in the spirit world who were in the hells loved him. When I say loved him, they sort of almost worshipped him like, you know how you get the picture from the Bible of how you've got Satan and his demons, right? You've heard of the devil and his demons, right? Well, if you can imagine, like Hitler was, sorry, um, Caesar was viewed as the devil
1: right,
0: by these other, in other words, the worst of the worst. A thousand years he spent just working through pain, pain, physical pain from what he did to others if you can imagine screaming every day for a thousand years, that's what he went through. So he did that without God. He got to a state where he was still in the first fear. By by 1914 he got to the state where he was still in the first fear but had done a lot of emotional processing and then he heard about the divine truth. He's now a celestial spirit in the spirit world. Right? Um, so he lives at the moment around the 13th sphere of the spirit world and, he, and he's a celestial spirit it took him hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years just to work through the layers of the hills until 1900 of those years went past and then it's taken him a 100 years to get from there to the celestial realms now that's the first part was the law of compensation. The second part, he actually invoked the law of repentance. The law of repentance is about coming to a point inside of yourself where you want to feel everything that you've done. And you want to get through that. And when you do that, when you're brave enough to do that, things change very rapidly then. Now, there's many spirits who... The reason why I've mentioned that is there's many spirits with us today who are really in a dark state and in terrible conditions of, like, pain, physical pain. What you would feel as physical, like, agony and want to know how to get out of it. Now, you, can you imagine how hard it is to even hear somebody when you're in that state? What do you feel like when, like... I don't know if any of you have had an open wound and somebody puts their finger in it. Like... Like, it's agony, isn't it? Like, if somebody has ever felt that. Can you imagine being in a state where somebody's putting their finger in it and you're trying to listen to truth at the same time? Can you imagine that? Because that's what it's like, being in one of the hells. Being in such physical agony and yet still wanting to know how to get out of it but trying to hear something when you're in such physical pain. And so, you know, one of the reasons why the 14 returned was to stop this from going on so that when people pass over, at least they don't pass over into the hills. You know what I mean? And at least they're able to be taught some truth about the spirit world rather than being in total agony and not even being able to hear. Well, you know yourself when you're in physical pain, how hard is it to go into the emotion of it? Sometimes it's so hard, isn't it? Because you're in the pain itself and you just feel in agony. And humility is the thing that's going to help us all get there, where we are totally open to seeing ourselves as we truthfully are right now. And frankly, you can understand why God requires this. Okay? Really? Like, you imagine what this world would be like and what the universe would be like if there was none of this that was going on you could actually do huge amounts of damage. And this is one one of the New Age philosophies is actually this, that I'm here and I'm Stalin and I'm here so that all of you can learn your lessons. You've heard that one? Like Stalin was there so that 40 million Russians who passed could learn their lessons. Is that why Stalin was there? It's not why Stalin was there. That is one of the furfies we tell ourselves so we don't have to feel the emotional pain that we have within ourselves when we damage other people. That's why it's there. Because we're not humble enough to actually accept that we have harmed others. Humility is such an important thing in your progression. It's essential to your future life. If you can be as humble as you possibly can and feel all of your own emotions and love the truth and love to even feel all the things that are exposed to you, what will happen is you'll progress so rapidly that in a year's time you won't even recognise yourself. Right? And you are able to progress this rapidly here on earth. But like I said, we are so addicted to the picture that we see in the mirror, that we like to be better than what it really is, that we don't want to come to face to face with our own issues and problems and our own things that we've done to harm others. So I've had to do that and, and Mary's having to do that and every single person on the divine love path is going to have to do that. Come to see what we truthfully are. So what I'm suggesting to you is don't judge that but allow yourself to do that. Does that make sense? Let yourself look at yourself. Let yourself see what's really inside Allow yourself to see who you truly are. When you're humble like that, you won't get into a rage. You won't get into anger when somebody points something out to you. You won't even get into anger when they are condescendingly pointing something out to you. Because you'll automatically just go into looking at the emotions within yourself. So you've noticed... Over the last few months in particular, there's lots and lots of stuff now appearing about me on the internet, if you've been looking. Lots of stuff about what I've so called done with Mary and done with my life and done towards these other people, most of which hasn't, of course, occurred. But I have to feel my emotions about that. So you don't see me writing back to these people trying to tell them the truth of what really happened, do you? Because I'm too busy (laughs) trying to feel my emotion about that, about what they're saying. Because I just see that as a law of attraction event. Do you see that? Like, it's a law of attraction event. Ah, that's what it's about. It's about getting criticised for things I didn't do. There you go. And I can connect to that emotionally and I can grieve about that. In my first century life, I was killed for that. Right? And there's huge emotions in me about all of that. So I have to work my way through those emotions. Can you see that? Allow yourself to do it. Allow yourself to be humble and work through those emotions. In the end, they're helping you. All these people that are being condescending towards you and, and angry with you and upset with you, they're all actually going to be helping you. Helping you work through one more emotion that's preventing you from being at one with God.
1: All right?
0: And that's the way I look at it myself. Because the, the thing I want the most is my relationship with my father back. I miss that. And that's what I want. So. Well, the way I feel about all of these different things is all I need to do is focus on my feelings about what's being created.
1: Right? And later on,
0: the truth is going to come out. Like, but I don't even have to think about that or even feel about that. What I need to do is I need to feel what it feels like in this situation to be attacked or feel what it feels like to be unjustly accused Or feel what it feels like to have people who don't even know me think they know all about my life and they've never met me. Right? Feel what it feels like for my beautiful soulmate to be attacked. Right? All these different emotions I've got to work my way through. And to be frank, we all do need to work our way through those kind of emotions. So, what I'm suggesting today is to, if you're having trouble with being stagnant or if you're having trouble getting into anger, like where you get into anger all the time and you can't get deeper, then look at this issue of humility. Pray about humility. Pray to God about learning to be humble, learning to really feel my emotions about every situation.
1: Does that make sense?
0: Let yourself experience the emotions rather than focusing on what's going on and trying to correct it. You see, most often when you're attacked, what do you feel like doing? Defending, right? So what we do is we put all this energy into defending the attack, don't we? I need to tell them the truth. That's not what really happened. And so forth and so forth. Away we go, don't we? Like, it never was like that. I don't, you know, it's not fair that they said those things and all those kind of things. But all that is just surface layer stuff that doesn't help you become at one with God. The stuff that's really going to help you become at one with God is the bit that's underneath all of that, which is I'm being attacked. What does it feel like to be unjustly attacked? Remember those times when I was little, when I was unjustly attacked and unjustly accused of things? All those, all that unhealed grief in me that I have, that I'm carrying around, still creating all this law of attraction with. That's what I need to feel. And when I feel that, I'll be closer to God and for a start, my law of attraction will change but even if those people want to continue to denigrate me and pull me down, am I going to feel it? Not at all. You'll get to a state where you can have all the whole world denigrating you and pulling you down and you will still feel happy. Now that's a pretty freeing state, isn't it? Like, you imagine that that no, nobody in your life, no matter what they do to you negatively, is going to help make you unhappy. And it won't be because you're intellectually skipping over that or avoiding that person or dodging that idea, or, you know what I mean? It won't be any of those reasons. It'll be because you feel it inside of yourself. I said to Mary yesterday, I just feel absolutely rotten about myself. Right? It's an emotion, the emotion I'm working through at the moment. And I said to her that, I'm just looking forward to the time where I can feel that I'm an okay person. Again, you know. Just imagine that, just to feel that you're an okay person. Not even a good person. (laughs) Just to feel happy and content with yourself. Rather than feeling like, oh, you know, I've got this still and I've got that shame still and all these different things still. And when I look back at the contrast between what I was and what I am now, there's so much grief in me about it. Like, just so much grief. And, and I've got to feel that too, mm-hmm. you know. And I've been avoiding that, feeling that grief of the contrast of those conditions, and you know my relationship with Mary, when I look at what it was and what it is now it 's just like nothing like what it was and there 's so much grief in that you know, and my relationship with God, and I look at what it was and what it is now, and there 's so much grief in that, and I need to allow myself to feel that grief and once we feel this grief that we have within us and we 're humble to experiencing it all, it 'll all be past, and those things that we 've lost will come back to us, but in a totally different way, back into their pure way that God intended them to be in the first place. So what I would like to do over the next uh, month or so too is remind you that whenever you're getting angry, upset towards other people, blaming other people or any of those things, I'm going to remind you that you're not being humble. Is that okay? And I want you to try to remind yourself, notice in yourself, whenever you're being angry, upset, blaming of others, in a rage, having feelings of hatred towards others and so forth, I am not being humble. And whenever you do that, pray to God about being humble. My most common prayer to God is prayer about being humble because that's the fastest possible way back home to God. So let that be one of your most common desires and goals. Now when that happens, then all of this desire you have for God and all of this desire you have for truth is just going to flow through you so much And because you're humble and allowing these emotional experiences, what's going to happen is you'll flick into this place in your own progression where it's no longer this great big chore, but you actually will feel the changes happening in you. You're going to have, firstly, days, and then eventually longer periods where you're actually feeling very, very happy, even with yourself, right? Because you can be proud of yourself for being in a state of humility, and I know that's strange, but that's what it, you will feel. You will feel a sense of togetherness within yourself That that is a state of being happy about yourself and happy about what... You don't need it from anyone else. You will feel it within yourself when you're happy about yourself. And you'll feel that because you'll know that you're now... Allowing this seeking desire you have for God's love, you're allowing the seeking desire for God's truth, but you also know that you're now allowing and wanting all of your own emotions. And once you get to that stage, from there to being at one with God is very rapid progression. And it's only our resistance that ever prevents us from getting closer to God. Only our resistance. Anyway, that's uh, I know it's not exactly what I had on the outline. When you download the outline, you'll see that it was probably a fair way away from the outline. <laughs> but I wanted to talk to you about humility because it's such an important quality to develop inside of ourselves. And you know our shame that we have and our guilt that we have about ourselves, and, and then we also have a lot of sometimes pride about ourselves that you know, where we think we're better than we really are and things like that. And unfortunately, those things prevent us from being closer to God. So, you know, we need to let go of these things. We need to get into a state where we're actually desirous of all of these emotions that we have within ourselves. Now, um, I'm, I'm finding for myself that I'm getting right now down to real core grief. And, and it's a very relieving process for me now, like... Um, whereas before I was still getting into shame, you know, into other emotions that weren't as relieving. Now I'm getting into these real core issues with my soulmate and with God and this grief that I feel and now I can feel my body starting to change at last and starting to feel different pains and aches and everything starting to go and when I'm in the emotion that's all there, heavy, heavy, very childlike in its experience and I can feel it leaving me and and I, and I have a sense of hope now of where I'm at in terms of my progression. And I can feel that I, it, things are getting much closer now because these are the core issues within myself that uh, I need to deal with. And I know that when these core issues are released, things are going to change so much around me and in my own law of attraction. And, and I'm really looking forward to that. In fact, I'm going to have a celebration of that. <laughs> Our spirit friends our spirit friend said the other day, oh, you should be celebrating more often than that. And that's probably true too, right? But um, the feeling I have is just this feeling I want to have a huge party. I don't care about birthday parties very much, as you know, but this is going to be a celebration, like <laughs> personal, a personal one perhaps, but it will still be a celebration that I can enjoy. But every one of us will get to this phase where you'll start realising, wow, I'm at the core of my stuff now. And you know when you're at the core of your stuff, things are going to change shortly after in a great, huge ways just by being at the core of your stuff. So that, that's something to look forward to as well. One other thing I'd like to mention to you before we go, though, is how much spirit uh, attention we're getting now as a group. And a lot of the spirit attention, by the way, is very negative. And I'd just like to talk to you about that for a few minutes. What's happening a lot is that in the spirit world, in the hells of the spirit world, there are still spirits who are doing bad things, doing evil things. And what they do mostly is they try to influence the earth because that's one area that they do have access to. Now, in doing that, what they do is they focus their attention on anyone who's getting better. In other words, anyone who's growing in their condition of brightness, they wish to destroy and pull back down into the mud, if you were. If you could think of it like a resentful person who's resentful that you've got some money, for example. What, are they nece- what do they want to do? Well, they feel they deserve your money. They might even steal from you to get your money, right? And, and so what they do is they impose their unhealed emotions upon you. And many of the spirits are now doing this. So there's whole groups of spirits now who are actually focusing on different people on the divine love path and trying to pull you back down. All right. Now, I talked about this in the first century a lot as well and uh, in, in that it, in a way it's a battle for your soul. And this is where a lot of these... Um, movies and, and stuff, you know, books come from, you know, the battle of the soul type things. There's one called The, the Devil's Advocate. Have you seen that? Where, where you remember the man, I think it was Keanu Reeves, isn't it? In that, was it? Yep. And you remember the, devils, the devil, which was
1: uh,
0: Al Pacino, that's right. And they were constantly looking at his flaws. You remember that? They're constantly examining his flaws and trying to pull his flaws and pull them into and draw the, through his flaws into a more debased condition. It's a good movie to see if you haven't seen it. And, and what's hap- what happens with us is that this is exactly how our spirit fr- friends work with us. Many of the ones who are in a dark condition, what they're trying to do is they look at our flaws and they say, oh, yeah, gee, yeah, AJ, yeah, see, he's got that unworthy feeling there, particularly with women. So how can I affect that? Right? Now, there's only two ways that that can be affected. One is I have angry women come at me and I feel sad about it. Or the second way is I have a woman project sexually at me and I feel like that's a good thing, right? Right? That could be the ways that... There are the only two ways that I can be influenced, really, with that
1: emotion, right?
0: And then the spirit goes, hmm. Like, I can do some things with this.
1: Right?
0: And if I'm not loyal to truth and loyal to love and humble, those three things that we mentioned right at the start, I can have a spirit having, having total pleasure with destroying my life. Right? And many spirits take total pleasure in destroying your life. Okay? Um, like in the devil's advocate. Yep. Can these spirits actually give you some good things to lull you into false sense of security before they try to pull you down? Of course. That's exactly how they work many times. All right? And so what they do is they, you know, your mediumship starts getting developed. But we, had, we, had a, we had a spirit come to us the other day, myself and Mary, and um, the spirit was trying to encourage us to break up. And they, said, and they said a heap of things that sounded really, really logical. Now, I said to Mary after it finished, I said, hmm, that all sounds logical, but it's not very loving. <laughs> like, and then we went through and analysed what was being said. And you could see that it was quite unloving, actually. And in fact, they went right down to telling us that we should break up, claiming to be a celestial spirit. Now, because we're in an emotional state working through things together, we could have easily followed that advice. And we could have easily said, you know, that was the advice of our spirit friends even, couldn't we? But when we analysed it, what they were trying to do was impose upon our free will. They were telling us what to do, which is Celestial Spirit. I've never seen a Celestial Spirit do. They, they, were, they were telling us to break up when, when we're together, we actually trigger our emotions more than when we've broken up. So actually what they're trying to do is slow down our progression and so forth. And once we started listening down, you know, listening all of the different things that they were trying to do, it was quite easy to see who it was. Can you see And and this is the trouble, you see. A lot of times we, uh, we follow along with these things because we are easily manipulated here through our emotional condition. And this is where if you're in a state of love and in a state of seeking truth and in a state of humility, it is such a protection for you to stay in that state. Now, in a few weeks' time uh, up at Mackay, I'm giving a talk, some talks about spirit uh, relationships. And one of, the, one of the talks is about attractions, like why spirits are attracted to us. So when you get to hear that talk at some point, um, it'll, be on the, it'll be as a download on, and an MP3 on the net. Hopefully, it'll give you a bit more background about what's happening with some spirit attractions going on around you. The next day I'm going to talk about the damage done to the human condition by these spirit attractions. And uh, that'll give you a lot more background about what kind of damage is done. Physical body damage as well as spirit body damage and also mostly soul condition damage. Now the reason why I'm doing those talks is I can feel that these spirits have ramped up their effort to harm you. And some of you may have been feeling that oppression My suggestion is to allow yourself to be humble, and do those, you know, the truth and the love and the humble, and pray a lot about receiving divine love, because that's the protection that you actually have to, to for these things occurring. Now, I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm just giving you a heads up that many of you are going to be influenced negatively over the coming months away from what you originally believed was the right path because of your emotions being hooked into these spirits' condition. And what I wanted to do is give you an advanced heads up that that pressure will be coming upon you and just to allow you to see that uh, when these events occur, what's actually going on. You see, a lot of times we don't have... A problem here on earth as much as having a problem with a heap of unseen people who are influencing our life through our law of attraction,
1: right?
0: So just recently, two spirits left me who have been with me ever since I was, from the time I was a child. And uh, those two spirits were hooked in to my pleasing women emotions, right? And they were really upset with me, pleasing women, Right? And what they were doing was they were, they were influencing me a lot you know. And, and eventually I got to talk with them and speak with them about what was going on. But then I recognised this emotion in me and that is I wanted somebody to protect me from women.
1: <laughs> right?
0: Now, many of us have these emotions towards the opposite gender when the opposite gender has given us harm, where we were looking for protection from the opposite gender. Right. And so these spirits, um, there are literally hundreds of thousands, millions of spirits who have a lot of intergender emotional issues. And so when I have a feeling I want protection from men, I'm going to get a heap of women's spirits if I'm a woman attracted to me. If I'm a man, I'll get a heap of men spirits who wanted protection from men attracted to me, and they'll influence a lot of my decisions. Can you see that? Like, that's what will happen through the law of attraction. And the reason why I wanted to give you that heads up is because if you remain humble and remain open to all of your own emotions, those attractions don't get created. They only get created when we suppress the emotion and therefore the soul is in a condition where we're in a condition of addiction. And when we have an addiction it's not just the people the the people you see around you who respond to your addictions. It's Lots of people around you who you don't see respond to your addictions too, and for that reason, what I'm also doing at the end of December, just before Christmas, is I'm going to be giving a talk about the law of compensation and the law of repentance, and then the next day I'm going to have a question and answer session for spirits. So all of you who are mediums or whatever, um, if you want to, if you feel a question from a spirit, I'd like you to put your hand up and tell me the question. And also, what anyone that you've uh, heard questions from and you want to write them down, I'm perfectly happy to get those questions. And what we'll do is we'll do a question and answer session for spirits to help these spirits who are surrounding us to progress so that they can move forward. All right? Now, we've had, myself and Mary have had some really interesting experiences with this over the last four weeks because... We've had a lot of spirits around us who have been really, really angry and in a rage, haven't we? And then within a half an hour's discussion, they're in a totally different state. All right? We had a group of four uh, male spirits who were actually first century disciples who came to me. Um, they'd been in the hells for 2,000 years. And the reason why they were there was because I had a relationship with Mary. So what happened was I, I was alone, obviously, for a while in the first century after I began my public ministry and then I met Mary and then we began a relationship and because we began a relationship and the way in which I began the relationship with Mary was that I treated Mary the same as I treated any other person um, and sometimes a lot better of course because she's my soulmate, and so I kiss and hug her and take her to bed which I wouldn't do to any other person. But, <laughs> but what happened was they got all triggered about that, right? And angry with me. And for 2,000 years they stayed in that state of anger with me and rage with Mary. And then we had them come and talk and within about an hour those ones got onto the divine love path. We had a group of nuns who came to speak with us, who were with Mary. And when I told them who I was, we had a long discussion about why I couldn't be Jesus because I was having sex with Mary. And uh, we had to work through lots of different issues with them regarding sexuality and their bodies and all sorts of things before they would actually move forward. But that happened. They moved moved as well. And they realised what had been going on for them.
1: Does that make sense?
0: A lot of times we can help them. They're just people who we can help. But if we don't notice what's going on, then you can't. So what I'm saying to you is, Take notice of what's going on around you and then ask yourself, what in me created this law of attraction? Like if you suspect a spirit is with you that it's created an event, ask yourself, what within me, what what was my denial, what was my lack of humility that created this action?
1: Does that make sense?
0: Let yourself ask yourself the question and then you'll be fine. You'll work through the issues. But if you keep denying and keep denying, sooner or later they will hook into some issues that cause you lots of triggers and they will use that issue against you, against your own progression. And there's many spirits in the spirit world who have a desire to do this. So what we're going to do is start to really expose these spirits. Um, A lot of people think I'm sort of biting off a a dangerous thing, but... I feel the way to the way to help them is to expose the truth of what's going on, and then talk to them about why they want to do it. So that's what we want to do over the coming months, Alex. Aj, is it possible for a spirit
1: to be pretending to give you the love of God?
0: Yes. It is. Yes. Totally.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because I seem to be getting into causal sometimes and getting pulled out of it very quickly, like with love of God like comes over me. Yeah, more. and God doesn't do that, actually. So that's a spirit who is with you, trying to get you out. God doesn't ever try to get you out of your emotions. God tries to keep you in your emotions. God wants you in your emotions 100% of the time. That's where God wants you. So anything that helps you get out, that's spirit-motivated or a spirit-generated is generated by a spirit who doesn't want you in that condition. Does that make sense? Yeah. So bear that in mind whenever those events occur. Oftentimes what will happen is anybody... See, sometimes we interpret love to be different things. You see, some of us interpret approval to be love. So when you receive an emotion of approval from a spirit, you then assume that's love. And it could be just that you're addicted to an emotion of approval. And when somebody gives it to you, it feels good. And so you then interpret that to be, oh, God gave me some love. doesn't happen that way.
2: Um, so how do we... How do I know sometimes I'll be processing, <coughs> say, um, a feeling of being unloved for four days um, and then get to the end and, like Alex said, then feel a lot of love and bliss?
1: Mm-hmm. Does... <coughs>
2: How do, how do I know if, it's, if I've released a causal emotion? Well, that, that, that
0: experience is far more conversant with divine love experience than the one Alex just mentioned. The one Alex just mentioned was he get, starts getting into the emotion and then he feels like somebody gives him some love and it sort of takes him out of the emotion. Right? Now, God doesn't do that because God wants that emotion out of you completely. Does that make sense? And so what God does is allow you to go through the experience... Until you get to the cause, and then God can work with that cause, so that might take three or four days, and then God gets to that cause, and now you, it t- comes out of you, and then you experience real bliss or a real loving experience with God. And you'll feel the difference between those two experiences. But if you hit the causal, can, it, can that happen really
1: quickly? It can happen really quickly too, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. But just be very aware that you are very, Alex, very spirit. Uh, influenced, mm-hmm. you're a very mediumistic person mm-hmm. and so there are spirits around you who want to get you out of your emotional work mm-hmm. and so that's something for you to be aware of personally okay, thanks. And, and it might not affect a person uh, who's not as mediumistic in the same way as it's affecting you yep. so just, you just need to bear that in mind Mary, you wanted to?
2: I just wanted to point out that it is possible to receive divine love while you're processing the causal yes, totally Um, But it wouldn't take you out of the
0: causal. No. So anything that takes you away from the experiencing of the emotion generally is motivated by some other spirit who's trying to help you get away from the emotion. And you've also got to ask yourself, what's my law of attraction to that? So there's something inside of yourself that would attract such an event.
1: Um,
0: Can there be um, spirits that believe themselves to be on the divine love path and feel like they know what we should be doing and influencing us to do what they feel we should be doing, but actually they're in quite a dark place? Yes, t- certainly. Yep. And the only way you'll be able to tell again is if you're open emotionally and you're always communicating with God. Remember that when you're longing, having a longing for God's love, God always hears you. Right? And you need to learn to trust that. Right. And so the key is to all, if you focus on your relationship with God firstly, everything else will sort itself out and you'll understand what was going on. Spirits will often try to falsify your, your condition or falsify their condition in order to get a connection. Many of them don't even do it for malevolent reasons. Many of them do it because they're thinking they're actually helping you, right? We would, the group of nuns that were with Mary were feeling they were helping Mary, they were helping Mary by detuning her from having sex. Does
1: that make sense?
0: That's what they believed was pure and holy. All their life that's what they believed. The only way to get to God was to not have sex. Right? So they'll connect with a godly woman and try to get her to not have sex. And in the past, many of these nuns have influenced women to not have sex and to become a nun just because of that influence. This is how I get closer to God. Does that make sense? So they think they're doing them a favour but in reality they're actually detuning them from, their own, from the person's body so therefore they're not doing them a favour. So. And, and with respect to the, the sanctuary, yep. you know, with me falling off the backhoe and stuff, um, some people felt that I was pushed. Um, it felt to me like there were some uh, spirits that believe they're on the divine love path and they feel they were actually helping me to learn lessons and yet they're willing to hurt me for me to learn the lessons. Yeah, so obviously they're not on the divine love path. Yep. So the key is to still, it's a law of attraction event still, so you still need to go into what was going on and we've talked about that emotion that was driving that, that drove that finished up on that, with that action, you and I together. But in the end... We've got to also notice that if somebody's doing that, ah, how loving are they? If that's the suspicion I have, go with your suspicions. But ask yourself, how loving are they doing that? It's and not in loving. in actual
2: fact, they whispered in my ear, this, this is to teach Graham a lesson. And then the backhoe broke down. The battery then went flat. Then they went to fix the backhoe and he fell off.
1: Yeah. Really?
2: And... Because I don't hear voices normally, I don't, hear, I don't get messages that way, yep. um, the spirit went from me not being heard was my, the, the emotion that they hooked into and then went to Graham and, and he, fell off, he fell off and got hurt.
0: Yeah, but again it was a law of attraction event so you need to look through the emotion inside of yourself yes, those spirits believe themselves to be helping you when they're actually not helping you. This happens all the time. How many times in day-to-day life does a person try to help you and it's not being very helpful? Like, you notice that in your day-to-day life, don't you? How many times have your mum and dad tried to help you and you're know, not very helpful? <laughs> they want to save you from yourself, right? And how many times does that happened? It happens a lot. So... So many spirits pass with the same thing. Ah, oh, I'm helping the person. Uh, I'm not very I'm not listening to what they want, of course. <laughs> but, you know, they're a bit deluded. They don't really know what they want. you know. Like, so they say someone like, "Alex, he doesn't know what he really wants." I'll help him. <laughs> you know, I'll 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 help him by getting Look, he thinks he wants to. He thinks he wants to feel his emotions. He doesn't want to feel his emotions. I'll just help him <laughs> get out of those emotions. Do you know what I mean? And while that might be true, you might not want to feel your emotions to the causal level in that particular instant that I'm giving. And the truth is they're not helping you by helping you do what they feel you really wanted, you know. This happens a lot, so bear that in mind. Danielle.
2: Um, it's funny because the last few days, Daniel and I have been travelling around and feeling that we've been followed a lot. Yeah. And we slept one time at just outside a cemetery. Yeah. But last night I was in extreme fear. Yeah. Um, which I'm not usually at night, usually I just, I go, you know, wherever I go, I go. And I it, I knew it was unusual because I had flashes of pictures, mm-hmm. like constantly, I had my eyes shut, but they were awful, mm-hmm. they were grotesque. Sort of, and of grotesque awful.
0: figures and grotesque events and awful, some awful. people, some of you have had uh, uh, like like really gross, yep. like horror-based yep. movie type things being yep. presented to you and things like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And um, I couldn't sleep, and it's so unusual for me, that behaviour. Mm-hmm. When I woke up in the morning, some of the other girls in the house had a very similar thing happen to them. Yeah. And it's, it was our first night in the house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> but so I,
0: again, look at the law of attraction. Yeah. There's obviously fear in you of spirits. Absolutely. So, it's the most so terrifying So let yourself thing connect with that and let yourself deal with it at an emotional, the humility level, you know. But don't then go and believe, oh, I'm not meant to be here because i got all of these attacks. <laughs> because this is just spirits who are in a bad place trying to influence you. There the- seem
2: like so many of them, though. Oh, there
0: are. There's billions. Yeah. There's billions of spirits on the earth plane who are trying to influence earth. Yeah. So, and many of them in a very dark condition. But they only have power over you while you don't focus on dealing with your emotions. So you could wake up saying, oh... Oh, that was a terrible dream. Oh, it's a terrible experience. We're not meant to be here. We're not meant to be here, you know, and go into this panic and off you go somewhere else. And they're just going, yeah, there we go. That was easy, wasn't it? Just, you know, somewhere that could have been good for you. That was easy. I've just got you out of that, you know, and into another place that might be a lot worse. And this is the trouble: is that they, whenever you feel like your desire is being influenced by someone in the spirit world, it's because they're unloving. Like, spirits don't try to influence your desire negatively. They, you know, when your desires are harmonious with God's laws of love and truth, and like let's say you have a desire for music, art, whatever, a spirit wouldn't try to get you out of that desire. So if your desire was to come up and learn more about God, a spirit's not going to try and get you out of that desire who's loving. Only an unloving spirit will do that. And that's the thing to bear in mind. All right, I've got some unliving spirits around me. I get afraid about that. I go and deal with my fear stuff. I tremble and let myself work my way through the emotion. Hire out the Emily Rose movie or whatever, you know, and, and really go into the emotion and trigger it and be humble and let yourself experience the emotion completely. And then those spirits will go, hmm, got to give up on that one. Let's try and find someone else who we can do that with. And eventually they'll run out of people. That's my hope. When they run out of people, then they're face-to-face with their own emotion. And when they're face-to-face with their own emotion, that's when they'll progress.
1: Yeah.
0: And from, um here. Thank you. Um,
2: I just want to know, what happens if you don't actually feel spirits around you?
0: Whether you feel spirits around you or not, they are around you. So that's the first thing. Um, if you don't feel it, there's usually emotional blockages inside of yourself to feeling it, which are usually fear-based. So the key is to ask yourself, what are my fears about feeling spirits? Well, you imagine, like, if you felt spirits, you might be standing in the shower, naked, having a shower, and feel the spirit next to you. How comfortable is that going to feel? It's not going to feel very comfortable, is it? Or, or you might be making love to your husband or wife, and then you feel some spirits there. That's no, not going to be very comfortable either, is it? And then um, you know you, you might go into your uh, into your child's bedroom and have to have a nightmare and feel the spirit that's that you just tried to to um, harm your child. That's not going to feel very comfortable, is it? Right. So you tell so you tell your child there's no such thing. You tell yourself there's no such thing, and you try to tune out of it during sex or whatever, and that keeps it all away. Does that make sense? But it but that's how we close ourselves down. The key is to open ourselves up. But uh, do it in such a way that's humble, that connects with our emotions. So open up emotionally as well. When you release the emotion, the attraction disappears. So, so that's when we're actually benefited. So if you're not feeling influenced by spirits, then that's fantastic. Um, um.
2: Can I just say, like, I used to be scared of spirits. But yep. since all of this, like, I can watch a, anything with spirits and nothing yeah. It doesn't bring up any fear. So does that mean I've sort of released something? Yes,
0: but it doesn't mean you've released everything because you're yet to feel them.
2: When do we ever re- release everything? Oh uh, you do.
0: Yes, you don't, uh, that's a false belief just stated there. You will release everything. Right? On the divine Love path, guaranteed, you're going to release everything. Right? Isn't that good? And it doesn't have to take a long time. All right? So don't ever go down the track of saying oh, I'm never going to release everything, because w- all that does is slow down your progression. Right? Let yourself have your desires. Raya.
2: I guess. It, I guess I'm. Ex-
0: right up. Is it is it going orange?
2: Okay,
0: here we go. Yeah, I guess that. I'm
2: expressing a deep desire, but can we talk about some of the spirits that might come around that will help us, that are divine love spirits? I need to hear that, please.
0: <laughs> no, 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 I want to, I want to trigger your fears. <laughs> no, literally every one of you has sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes tens and even hundreds of divine love spirits around you. The problem we face is that most of the time we don't feel them, just like we don't feel God most of the time. And that's because of our emotional injuries. But often they are there just trying to urge us on to live in truth, live in love, feel your emotions. And they're often trying to give you a wall of protection. But they won't do it. If you, and you'll read this in the pageant messages, um, that many times divine love spirits will step back when there's other spirits being attracted all the time. The reason why they step back is because if you're not dealing with the emotion, the fastest way to get you to have that emotion triggered is to have other spirits surrounding you to trigger the emotion. Does that make sense? And so what they do is they step back and wait for you to work through the issue. Now, if we're humble, if we're listening to our indirect counsel and assistance, um, and if we're humble about that, they won't need to do that very often, if at all, right? But what often happens is that we're not humble and then, then of course, they need to step back from us and then we have a few negative spirit experiences which trigger us emotionally and then we get through that emotion and then they can help us again. But it's only when we're resistive that they step back from us. So understand that every single time you stay in a state of openness to humility, humble, open to your own emotions, every time you're seeking truth and every time you long for divine love, that is your most protected state, and that there are literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of divine love spirits, spirits on the divine love path trying to help you. Right, and many of them will be surrounding you as you're processing an emotion, or all those different things, holding a space for you. So let them do
1: that for you.
0: So they they have your best interests at heart, and they will help you deal with your emotions. But as soon as you go resistive, they will need to step back and let you work through what it is that you're resisting. Yeah? And they'll try to help you in other ways, like trying to arrange things for you in such a way or try to prompt you intellectually, you know, by giving you little messages that seem to pop out of nowhere in terms of helping you stay on the path. But they're not going to do... and they're not going to feel your emotions for you because nobody can, yeah. So understand that all of you are being greatly assisted as well. But often because of our emotional addictions, it's the hooks to the spirits who are affecting us negatively that affect us the most. So we just need to learn to give up the addictions. Tim?
1: Um, Recently,
0: on two separate
2: occasions... um, while I was asleep, I, the first the spirit came and showed me into a library of books where I sleep then stayed in the library and shared
1: all the books that they loved. Yeah.
2: And told me that, that he he told me he was a librarian. On the second a couple of nights later I had a chef come to me who showed me into his kitchen, yep. and created in the spirit world, and then cooked for me and I watched and smelt and um, both of those uh, experiences were very different to anything that I've ever experienced before. So could you shed some light? I mean, I know I have a love of knowledge and have always wanted to be in a library. And
1: I know I certainly have addictions with food and the smell of food. Is that what that's all about? Everything
0: is a law of attraction event, even your dreams, right? And and any visions you've had and any interactions with spirits you have are all law of attraction events. So rather than me tell you what they are, the key is to now pray about what they are. Because remember, this is not about me telling you things. This is about God telling you things in the end. Because... Basically, I'm, what I'm trying to do now is start to wean you off of me. <laughs> I'm not a nursing mother, <laughs> right? So what I'm trying to do now for many of you is wean you off of me so that you and can focus on your relationship with God directly. And that will bring us all more and more together as we go through this process. So we'll all come together in love while we do that. But it's very important you now start up asking these questions of your heavenly mother. Does that make sense? So you'll find in future, more and more, I'll be weaning you off of asking me personal questions. No worries. All right, well, thank you very much for your time today. And ho- hopefully i work through a few emotions so that tomorrow is a better day. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm sorry if today hasn't been as, uh, as good as you would normally expect, but <laughs> that's the way it goes. Well, bye for now, and we'll see you tomorrow for those who are coming. Uh, sorry, something... Oh, you're going to sing for us. Do you want to sing? Anyone who wants to stay... You're very nervous. I've been sitting here all this
4: time just going, ah! Working up to it. Okay, testing,
3: testing. All right, I'm really nervous, um, but I absolutely love singing and I've been typing on the forum and saying how much I want to perform and I, and I was talking to Helga and I'm like, ah, oh, I should ask if I, if I can perform here. So, um... Maybe I'll just do a little bit of breathing first um, before I start. <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, I can't even believe I'm up here. Um, all right, but I'm going to be singing a song called "Angel" by Sarah McLachlan. Um, so I'll just close my eyes and do a bit of breathing first. <laughs> Oh man, I can just see the video cameras. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I want to do it now. No better time than now. <laughs> all right. Spend all your time waiting For that second chance For a break that'll make it okay There's always some reason Feel not good enough. And it's hard at the end of the day. I need some distraction. Oh, beautiful release. Memories seep from my veins. Let me be empty. Oh, I'll find some peace tonight in the earth. twist and just lost the words. (laughs) Um. All right, I was fearing this was going to (laughs) happen. It's not so bad. Um. (laughs) Come back to me. Uh. My mouth is really dry now. (laughs) Okay. Storm keeps on twisting Keep on building the lights That you make up for all that you lack. Don't make no difference Escaping one last time It's easier to believe In this sweet madness All this glory sadness that brings me to my knees. In the arms-
0: There's uh, quite a few um, who are coming along who've got different musical talents and, um, and quite a number of people who are coming along who've got good singing voices and things like that. So what I'm going to do over the coming months is we're going to encourage some of those people to follow some of their desires as well. So hopefully that will make for some interesting uh, presentations that we do in the future. Huh? Thank you very much for that. That was good.